impact, income, and influence. Mark Mawinney is Canadian, so of course he is a nice guy. He also happens to run a Facebook group with 21,000 active coaches in it called The Coaching Jungle. He helps coaches get clients and grow their business. He focuses on selling courses and information products. He's absolutely a genius when it comes to how to engage and how to build relationship through email, a Facebook group, podcasts. This episode was really informative to me, and I wanted to make sure to share it with you. Enjoy. Impact, income, and influence is the three things that are most important to entrepreneurs today, and that's what this podcast is all about. If you're a coach, consultant, author, blogger, YouTuber, creator, or entrepreneur who believes what they do can change the world, this podcast is dedicated to you. I'm Steve Warner, and welcome to Impact, Income, and Influence. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Grow Your Impact, Income, and Influence, the number one show for monetization strategy. My name is Steve Warner. I am your host, and I am joined today by the creator of The Coaching Jungle, a Facebook group with more than 20,000 highly engaged coaches. He's Canadian, he's Irish, and he does flat fee JVs, but we'll get into that later. Please welcome to the show, Mark Mowinney. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Hey, it is awesome to be here. We were catching up a little bit before I hit record, and we were just kind of talking about how you got to where you are because you have a really good Facebook group. I've been in there for a couple of years, um, and at first I was like, what is this? Because you have one of the most epic banner picks <laughs> I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, when well, I first um, I don't have to go to the gym. Uh, The easiest way to get a six pack is just get my head photoshopped on Tarzan's body. Uh, And anyone who hasn't seen the groups, like, what are they talking about? But basically there's a cartoon mark swinging through the jungle and I'm, I'm ripped with a six pack and stuff. So especially in these COVID times, it's great. Don't have to go to the gym or can't go to the gym. There we go. (laughs) Nice. It is awesome. I just remember when I joined, I was like, I was looking for coaching groups and I was like, this looks interesting. (laughs) But it grabs attention, right? That's a, a member sent that to me actually, and that uh, I'm very appreciative of. He's a graphic designer, and not, without even me asking for it, he's like, "Hey, Mark, uh, came up with this banner." Now there used to be a similar Tarzan, but more cartoonish. His is a little more realistic, and he said, uh, "Feel free to use it if you want." I was like, "Wow, this is cool." You know, I appreciate it. Gave him a shout out in the group and stuff like that. So when you run a group that's engaged and people feel like they're part of a community, you get some uh, unexpected perks pop out of the woodwork. Awesome. That it, you know, you're doing something right when people start sending you stuff for free, right? When you start yes. getting fan fan mail and random stuff in your inbox that's not spam, it's a good feeling. One of my friends is uh, Brian Basilico, and he's known as the Bacon Guy. Uh, so years ago, Brian thought, "I want to be known for something. What does everybody love?" And he thought everyone loves bacon. So he said, I'm going to be the bacon guy. So he started the bacon podcast, everything was bacon related. And he was telling me that uh, people will send him bacon and just all sort of uh, like bacon merchandise and everything. And I've been away in different cities before I came across a bacon store once when I was traveling. 
and uh, send them a pic and put it on the wall. And everyone's doing that. You know, everyone loves bacon. So um, there, there's just a tip for people. Maybe you become known for something like that and people will send you all sorts of good free stuff. That is, I love that. Like we, one of my, uh, one of my friends is known, he, he's a copywriter. Um, I don't know. Do you know Jim Edwards? You might know Jim Edwards. I do. I just uh, read a book that he wrote. Yeah. There you go. So he's known for unicorns of all things. That's what he started doing. And people send him unicorn stuff all the is time. Is he Final he... Secrets? Is yeah. Him? yeah. 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 I just finished his book about a week ago. Yeah. What do you think of it? I liked it. Um, I read his and I don't know if he's any relation. Ray Edwards uh, wrote a book as well on copywriting. So I read them both back to back. Um, Jim was a great, a good book. It flowed well, uh, be prepared to be sold on his drop funnels. Is that what it's called? Or copy funnels? Sorry. Copy, copy funnels. funnels. Uh, yeah, I got a shout out for drop funnels. Yeah, but I mean, Hey, that's probably smart. He, he snuck in copy funnels throughout probably 154 mentions, but Hey, that's, that's probably a smart thing to do. I thought it was a good book. I recommended it to some clients because that's a fine thing with copywriting. I've talked to coaches and I'm like, you really should be studying copywriting. They're like, well, I'm not a copywriter, so I don't need to. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, but you're, you are a cop. You got to be a copywriter. Not that you're working for people and writing copy, but for yourself, I think any coach, any online entrepreneur should be studying copywriting. I, so, okay, let's actually, we can dive into this because this is really one of my biggest takeaways in my journey, right? I started holding live events. I knew how to hold live events. I did not know how to market them. I burned $30,000, booked a space for 1400 people, sold two, had to cancel it, oh. lost all my money because I did not learn copywriting, marketing, mm -hmm. funnels, Facebook ads, any of it. If you're a coach, I would think copywriting and funnels would be right up there. What are the top three skills that you think a coach needs outside of just being able to coach whatever they teach? Oh, boys. Well, copywriting, we talked about. Um, that would probably tie into, you know, some people when they hear copywriting, they think of sales pages or direct marketing pieces or think of some of the old time greats, right? And uh, that could be even email marketing, right, uh, with it. So um, I would say copywriting is probably a big thing. Community building, uh, this is another thing I'm really big on. Uh, I see a lot of people out there that are um, – posting they're sending email stuff like that but they don't have anywhere to bring those people and the metaphor i use is uh, i say it's like if you're a little ship in the middle of the ocean a very noisy online ocean and you're just out there just spraying and pray <laughs> trying to talk to people but you don't have anywhere to haul people uh, when you build a community it's like you have an island that you're drawing people to where they can get to know like and trust you so it could be a facebook group maybe it's not facebook maybe it's an email list or something but I really think it's important that you have a place to take people because a lot of people, uh, prospects out there aren't going to say, oh, I don't know, Steve, but here's 5K for whatever you know program, just if they don't know you. They want to get to know you better. Like uh, That's where most of my clients come from, right? The, the coaching jungle and with the stuff right. I'm doing there. So that would be two things. What else would, uh, would people need? Um, well, I mean, this is something that's a little different, but I think it's very important is, is uh, discipline. <laughs> uh, honestly, I see uh, a lot of people want to make seven figures in a month and they don't want to master what they're actually doing uh, so one of my underrated uh, superpowers which the reason I've had the success I've had since 2014 online is um, 
discipline or consistency, I would say, you know, uh, I, when I do something, I do it and I, I stick with it. So my podcast is up to almost 700 episodes now on natural born coaches. As we record this, I've sent daily emails to my list starting in April, 2016. So I've got, I don't know, almost 2000 days that I haven't missed a day of daily emails. So I know it's not really sexy, you know, you hear things like that, people get bored, but that's a, again, an underrated superpower that I think I would say consistency would be very important as well. Awesome. I, I would agree with that. I mean, shiny object syndrome, right? If you're an entrepreneur, if you've been in the entrepreneur game for any amount of time, you know that this is real. You're like up here, then you're over here. Yeah. You've got a hundred people throwing new things at you. Pick one or two things. I always tell people you have to do email and you should pick one other avenue and the two should coexist, right? Because if I do a Facebook live, I can email my group and say, hey, I just did this Facebook Live on XYZ. Go check it out and put the link in. It only grows. Yeah. The other thing that I'll touch on to your point of, of having a community and of getting people to know you, it used to be that you had to touch somebody five to eight times to get a sale. The last study that I saw is that you should touch somebody like in, before a sale is done, they have interacted with your content more than 26 times. Mm. And how do you do that if you don't have an email list or a Facebook group or a podcast? Podcast buyers, um, I'm part of a couple podcast groups, obviously. Podcast buyers are among the highest rated spenders. As in, if you have somebody that listens to several episodes of your podcast, the chances of them buying from you are much, much higher. Yeah. When did you start your podcast? Uh, November 17th, 2014 was the first episode. Yeah. So we and just you, passed six years. And you're doing a weekly? Yeah, it started off as a daily show, which is why the number's up to almost 700. So it was daily for the first 300 or so episodes. Um I went kind of the opposite. Some people start with weekly, then they bump it up to three times a week, then they go up more. I start with daily for enough to get traction. And at a certain point, to be honest, I thought, do I need to be doing seven episodes a week? I don't know if I'm seeing the ROI. Scaled it back to three, and then and now where it's at, been at is weekly. And I basically, I'm taking the effort that I was putting into doing a daily podcast and doing daily emails instead. So I've got the weekly podcast and daily emails. Um, not to knock anyone who's doing uh, daily Daily podcast, but I was going to go to the loony bin if I did it much longer than 300 straight days for that. That's a lot of work. I was also editing my show uh, myself back then. Uh, now I have a team that handles the editing. They started in 2015, uh, but I would rather get a root canal than edit podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> You're preaching to the choir. I yeah. I agree. That's why yeah. these are not edited. I cut the cut the beginning, cut the end, put the bumpers on, and it's up. Yeah. But you made a really good point about uh, having a couple different things that you focus on. I call them pillars. So I have three pillars. Uh, there's a saying by Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great. He said, if you have more than three priorities, you don't have any. Um, so my three pillars, and you know, anyone listening to this, their pillars probably will be different. But my three pillars are podcasting. That's my show, but also going out on shows like we're doing right now. So there's podcasting, both sides of the mic. Uh, there's Facebook, but specifically the Facebook group. We've got 
got about 20,000 members in the coaching jungle. So that's an important thing for me. And finally, email marketing. But I'll put an asterisk on there. I say daily emails. Um, I did emails for two years the same way everyone else does, where I send an email maybe once a week, maybe twice a week, maybe once every two weeks, sometimes three times a week. It was just all over the place. And I didn't get any traction whatsoever. I was getting ready to kill my email efforts. I thought, I'm going to focus on what works. I'm going to just cancel my email account and and be done with it. Uh, luckily, I spoke to a guest on my podcast that was a big proponent of daily emails, and he challenged me to start going daily. And I'm like, well, I have nothing to lose. This was April 2016. I said, I'll give it 30 days and we'll see what happens. Sure enough, start, stuff started to happen uh, before those 30 days were up. Now, I didn't make a million dollars from email, but I started to get more replies, started to get some sales trickle in from email. I thought, hmm, maybe there's something there. And, and like I said before, I haven't missed a day since April 2016. So those are my three pillars, podcasting, Facebook group, and daily emails. So let's talk about email because I actually I'm a huge, huge proponent of daily emails similar to you. I was doing the back and forth once here once there. Uh, About a year ago now, a friend of mine and me did an accountability where we each had to email our list every day or send the other person $25 by Venmo (laughs) at midnight. So like 1130, I'm like pounding out an email, right? <laughs> yeah. um, same, similar to you as well. By the end of the challenge, I had made $2,000. Yeah. Um, not not a million dollars, but $2,000. Yeah. It moved moved it forward. So let's talk about what what are your daily emails like? For somebody who's listening to this that's not on your list, Do you are they 500 words? Are they 1,000 words? Are they 100 words? Do they have a call to action? Do you sell through them? It's tough to put in a soundbite. I have a whole program, you know, around daily emails. So uh, what I'll say is uh, the general uh, layout for each of my emails is I want to give them something that makes it worth their time to actually read it. Uh, Because if people are investing a minute, two minutes to read it, everyone's busy. I don't want it to be just crap or something. I want to reward them for reading it. Uh, that being said, I also want to promote my business because I'm a proud capitalist. Uh, there's way too many socialists slash communists in the online space. Uh, we won't get into that. But um, so what I do is I um, tell a story, give a lesson or something quick, and then I transition into a call to action. And it's not like, you know, these typical internet marketing things where it's all the same, like uh, verbiage and like caps and 100 asterisks and just the same cheesy language. Mine isn't like that. So I'll say what I have to say, something that that will give them value, something for them to think about, to chew on. And I'll say, by the way, I go over this in greater detail in module two of my X program. Here's a link to check it out. You know, something really quick. It's not anything that's like a a home shopping network type uh, infomercial uh, with it. But every single email, there's an invitation to take the next step to go further with me. And I find a lot of people are holding back. They're scared of their email list because first off, they don't want to email every day because they think that they're going to um, get people throwing rocks to their windows, <laughs> you know, chasing them down. I know that that hesitation, but then they're also afraid to sell. They're afraid to admit that they're in business. And my whole uh, thing that I push for coaches, those are my people is, Hey, don't be afraid to admit that you're in business. Just be very open and honest. Hey, this, I've got a solution. You got a problem. Here it is. Bang. Yeah, that's, I agree. I mean, that's something I saw when I, when I first got started, um, I worked with, I held marketing events, three-day marketing events. Mm. People would come in and people would be like, I want to sell, I want to sell, but I'm scared. And it's usually imposter syndrome and yeah. all the stuff, right? 
Um, so do you, so when you say you sell you you have the body copy and then a call to action, then a signature, do you use a footer? Do you do anything like that? Or is it all always Mine are very bland tax based? There's no banners, no images. I mean, there's reasons for that. I mean, first off deliverability, if you're trying to deliver images could get blocked and not get to them. Uh, but I also think that if your emails look like websites or something, I think people tune them out. Um, so my emails don't even have the fake personalization. You know, a lot of people have dear Steve, yeah. You know that I'm not emailing you directly, Steve, but a lot of people say that. And uh, I'm allergic to any swipe copy. I'm allergic to any typical internet marketing stuff. I want to write those emails as if I'm talking like I am right now to you. So I've had people who know me quote in real life who say, Mark, your emails sound exactly like you sound in real life. And I'm like, of course, who would they sound like? <laughs> but I know where they're coming from because that was the other thing I did April 2016 when I switched to a daily frequency. I also said, screw it, I'm going to take the filter off because I was holding back before and I was in that mushy middle, I call it, where I was just trying not to offend people. Uh, So now I'll have fun. I've offended people. Uh, A while back, I had someone, uh, an animal rights person messaged me quite upset because the topic was uh, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I was talking about different ways to build an online coaching business. I think she thought I literally meant, hey, everyone go out and skin cats, you know? (laughs) And I said, no, that's not what it is. Um, But you can't be afraid to use a topic like that because there's a nut bar a thousand miles away that's going to take it the wrong way. Amen. Like I've, you, you touched on a couple of things. I've challenged people either friends or acquaintances, some, some of them, my clients to email every day, because I'm like, if you're not emailing at least four or five times a week, what's the point in having a list? Like, you're only going to see your open rate actually go up. I email three to five times a week right now. I would, I've been thinking about getting back to dailies. We'll get to that in a second. But I've seen my email open rate across the board right now is 22%. Good. I don't ha- I don't have a monster list. I have a 5100 person list, but they're getting read. When yeah. I was emailing once or twice a week or less, I was like an 8%. <laughs> yeah. So it's like just email more. You're not going to annoy anybody and if you do, if you want the tip to business, uh, Alex Sharfin told me this. If you want the biggest tip to business, get some haters. If you're getting haters, for every hater you get, you have a hundred true fans. Yeah, you have a exactly. hundred people that love what you're saying. Take the filter off. I I agree. I can't spell. A lot of people who know me know this. Like I'm not very good at spelling. I'm halfway dyslexic, mm. so I spell phonetically, right? And my emails are like that. And sometimes the spell checker doesn't catch them. I don't know if it's just not going yeah, fast yeah. enough. And I'm writing it. I usually write at 10 o'clock at night because that's I think about my day and I think yeah. about a lesson. So I pound it out. And I just tell people, so my my actual, the only auto email people get is when they opt in for something or join my list. And it, mm. I just tell them. I don't spell very well and I'm not great at grammar, but I guarantee if you read it, my heart's in it and I'm giving you exactly my thoughts. If you don't like it, unsubscribe. Yeah. And I get people all like that. It's probably the most replied to email. People are like, thanks. This is refreshing because I know you're writing it. Well, there's one day years ago that uh, usually I keep my emails scheduled. I got a buffer of, say, two weeks, roughly, uh, just in case, because life can get in the way, right? Now, if I have to schedule in something that's a hot topic that popped up unexpectedly, I can slot it in there and basically move the emails back. Uh, But I had a time, I think it was the summer of 2017, where I didn't have the email for the next morning. And uh, I woke up at 
six thirty, seven in the morning. Oh God, what am I going to email today? Because I always send it out shortly after that. And the email was basically like, I'll be honest. Um, I've been doing daily emails. I want to stick to it. I got nothing today. <laughs> you know, I got a, a busy day, stuff going on. And I just kind of talk like that. And I got more replies to that email than any others I can actually uh, remember because people are like, wow, I appreciate your candor, Mark. Uh, we weren't expecting that. Um, what you said about trolls or haters, I agree with totally. And the great thing about it, whenever you get a hater that's replying to your emails, uh, you can take and turn that into content. You know, it's content fodder for future stuff. So the next day email could be, if someone made fun of your spelling or something, Steve, next day email could be, hey, I got this uh, from a, a fan, you know, to have fun with a fan yesterday who said, then you say it. And then, uh, by the way, then you spin it into something else. Um, what I try to do with it is uh, Ben Settle teaches this where he calls it upstairs, downstairs trolls. If someone's underneath you for their prestige or following or whatever, don't respond to them. You know, um, if somebody's above you, you could then use that to turn into sales. And he um, gives the example. He went through a situation on Twitter where there's a washed up hip hop artist who was big many years ago, but isn't big, uh, isn't very popular now, but he still has like a million Twitter followers. And uh, he was calling um, uh, Ben a, a white supremacist for something. Uh, ben, instead of, you know, uh, running away from it or whatever, he actually leaned into it. He decided to have a, a right supremacist sale, W-R-I-T-E, because he's into you know, email writing, copywriting and stuff. So he had a right supremacist sale and he used uh, his hater's name as a promo code. He made 30K in a weekend using it because that was an upstairs troll compared to downstairs. Now, I ignored Ben's advice last week. Somebody trolled me that... Um, uh, from what I could see, they weren't a very big name or whatever. And I actually did answer them, which made me feel better for about 10 seconds. I thought, nah, I shouldn't have wasted the time to answer that person. You know, they're nobody shouldn't, should just ignored it. But yeah, definitely you can use it as content fodder. That's perfect. I mean, I've responded to some, if, if I feel like they're, they're being good natured in it, if I feel like they're trying to help me or like not be hateful, I might respond to them and just be like, Hey, um, but usually I don't bother if it's, yeah. if it's on Facebook, I, if it's on Facebook, I will, because other people are going to read it. I don't want to run away from it. Um, I think it's much better, but I'm not super active on Facebook anymore. Um, I feel yeah, like yeah. email, email is doing really, really well. Um, it definitely keeps you in touch with people just writing honest, straightforward stuff. I'd like Ben's stuff a lot. Um, I, I met him a couple of years ago uh, at a GKSC event, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, Ben's a person I mentioned got me into daily emails. I've had him on my podcast oh, several times. And it was uh, luckily I was talking to him right around the time I was ready to quit emails. I ended up joining his email players. I've been a subscriber there for years and years. And uh, yeah, he's been on the show a number of times. So uh, sometimes you just have to, uh, the right person comes across your path at the right time, luckily, and then it works out. So that's awesome. So we just went through kind of the top, the top three things that you would recommend. I would love to hear what are like one or two of the big mistakes you see a lot of people make when they get into coaching, when they're getting started, or even if they've, they've been in it for a while, what's something that you see that you would caution people against? Oh, boys. Um, it's funny. I'm actually working on an upcoming issue of my print newsletter, Seeker Coach Club, and it's a uh, 
negativity issue, but one of the big sections is around peppies in the coaching industry. So I'm trying to narrow it down into just a few out of those 20 or so that I, um, that I mentioned boys. Well, um, I gotta be honest. One of the things that bugs me is brain pickers. <laughs> so I'm doing something about it in 2021. So stay tuned, but, uh, not saying all brain pickers are bad people, by the way, and I probably did my share of brain picking requests back when I started. Uh, but I think that it's uh, very dangerous for the health of your business if you uh, allow your brain to be picked. And the problem I have in the coaching world is everybody is so mushy, kumbaya, you know, everyone hold hands and dance around in a circle, love each other, that they're afraid to say, no, I can't do it. So anyone who approaches them, any Tom, Dick, or Harry, they, that says, hey, can I pick your brain, Steve? It's like, okay, sure, let's hop on a call. And then you're giving away all your time, your expertise, your advice for people who probably would have no intention of ever paying you. Uh, so I have no qualms about saying no to brain picking. I wasted hundreds of hours, you know, my first year in the business on these brain picking calls. So that's one thing I, I think coaches are making a mistake with is they feel like uh, they have this sort of um, – belief that, okay, well, I'll hop in the call and hopefully the person will come around. It'll be business for me. And it goes along with the customer is always right. No, the customer isn't always right. There are a lot of, you know, idiots out there that you don't want to do business with. So you don't worry about those. That would be one thing. And you touched on another is uh, the whole bright, shiny object. People will try something for a little bit. They hear that, oh, Facebook Live's the way to go. And then they do it for a couple of weeks. They don't get a bunch of clients and they're off to the next thing. And uh, I see with podcasting too, you know, people think podcasting podcasting's that magic money tree in their backyard they'll plant it and they look out tomorrow morning there's a bunch of money sprouting out doesn't work like that at all so i wish that more coaches online entrepreneurs would stick to something and actually uh, you got to water it long enough to actually see the results coming from it what would you think is long enough because i've i i preach the same thing but i have a i have a time period but i want to hear what you think because you're well, bare minimum 30 days, like we talked about daily emails. I don't know if there's an actual correct number for it. Now, that being said, sometimes there's something that you do long enough that it just isn't uh, the right fit for you. You're not enjoying it. That's important. If you're not enjoying it, don't keep doing it. Uh, good examples, I had an Alexa flash briefing for about a year called the Mark Mooney Minute. And they were short little one minute things. I did 350 episodes of this uh, consistently every single day. One day I woke up and uh, I thought, you know, I'm really not enjoying this. Uh, what I was doing was I was taking Saturday afternoons once a month to batch record a whole bunch of these one minute things. And I just wasn't uh, enjoying it, wasn't seeing the ROI that I would hope from it. But I also did it for a year. It wasn't like I did five or six of them. So oh, okay, I'm done. I did 350 of them. I thought, no, I'm just going to let it go and uh, instantly felt better. That's how I know that if it's the right move, it's kind of like breaking up with an ax. If you feel like you're, you know, 100 pounds have been released from your shoulders the next day and you're, you know, skipping along and happy, it was probably the right move. <laughs> I would, I would agree with that. I, yeah. so I tell people, I'm like, I, the way I handle it, I have a shiny object board. I have, I have six whiteboards mm. in here that you can't see. Um, but I take one of them and it's just literally like if I have a shiny object, somebody tells me about something cool or I think about something a lot or I see an ad and I get into it, I write it on the board. Mm. At the end of the week, I go through the board and I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This doesn't. If it's on the board at the end of the month and I want to commit to it, I do 30-day goals and I do 90-day mm. goals. I don't do past 90 days. I have a vision. It's, it has to fit into one sentence. Right it's going to change. I want, I want like, I'm going to Paris. Okay. I know where that is. Right. 
then 90 day chunks. And it's like, okay, what can I do in 90 days? Same as you. I actually, I love the quote by, uh, by Jim Collins. Like yeah. you're trying to do more than three things in 90 days. You're not going to get them done. Mm-hmm. So have a, have a thing, but if you can't commit to it for 30 days, don't commit to it at all because you're going to do it for a day or two. You're going to get excited about it. And then you're going to be like, Ooh, I don't, I don't want to. And if you haven't, in my opinion, if you haven't thought about it for a week to like actually think through what's the long-term implications, is this a good fit? Is this something I'm going to like? You have those, I have those conversations with myself in the shower a lot or when I'm out running. Right. Mm. And if it's, if I'm like, okay, this is something I actually want to do. Okay. Then I'm going to commit for 30 days. Yeah. I, I have two criteria for things I do. Uh, first off, do I enjoy doing it? Because uh, if I don't enjoy doing it, I'm not going to keep doing it. So that's one of them. Uh, the second one is, uh, does it work? Uh, so for example, if my favorite thing in the world is um, opening up my window and screaming at passersby, they're walking by like, hire me, hire me, you know, or whatever. I, that could be my favorite thing in the world to do. I could bounce out of bed, can't wait to do it every single morning. It's probably not going to give me much of an ROI, you know, or I may join a new social media network that has um, 100 users. I may really love it. Well, if there's only 100 people on that platform. That's probably not the right thing to do. So have to enjoy it. Then obviously it has to work, but you have to give it enough time to see if it's going to work. And there's way too many people online. They're like, well, this is stupid. Uh, podcasting doesn't work. I did, you know, six weekly episodes and, you know, and didn't get any clients. And they're the ones that are now in what do they call it? Podgatory or, you know, pod fading where the show is kind of alive, but it, they haven't released a new episode in two years. So is it alive or dead? who knows (laughs) right so talk to me i want to switch gears just a little bit when you got started you talked about getting new clients yelling out the window Mm. when you got started the landscape was a little bit different but what did you do that actually got you into momentum because we've both seen a lot of coaches who they uh, they get on fire right i'm gonna be a life coach i'm gonna change somebody's life i'm gonna help people up level right i love that Mm. conversation yeah how did you start getting clients? Because I think a lot of people struggle for like the first six months to a year. And then there comes a moment where they're either like, okay, screw this. I'm going back to XYZ, whatever it is, or I'm going to find a job, or they actually get some traction and start moving. What did you do that allowed you to find traction? Well, the big turning point for me was a podcast. Uh, so I started my coaching business was March, 2014 and uh, started the podcast near the end of that year. Um, I had some clients previous and yeah, I was making some money and stuff, but it wasn't where I wanted it to be. I would say that it was a podcast that got me out there in front of the people I wanted to work with and uh, gave me some credibility uh, and traction as well. So I'm very grateful. Uh, the podcast is, I have one um, son, he's 12 years old now, but I have two, I guess, kids or babies, if I include the podcast, you know, because it is a, an important part of my business. Uh, it got me going. And that's why I've continued for, you know, almost 700 episodes as of today. I think uh, in those early days, you have some the luxury of throwing spaghetti at the wall to see what'll stick. But at some point, you definitely have to run with something and, and stick with it and be consistent and give it time to breathe. And uh, I see so many podcasts that had an opportunity to be good, but they killed it after eight episodes or 15 episodes. 
Uh, one tip on the podcasting end, I would say, and you've probably seen this too, Steve, is don't be too general. I see so many podcasters that are trying to appeal to everybody with this sort of success or personal development type show. And um, that was tough back when I started in 2014, but now, you know, 2020, 2021, very difficult to do it that way. Uh, and the final thing I would say is uh, just start. There's never a perfect time. So I people see people um, nowadays say, oh, I'm too late to, I miss a podcast boom or whatever. In 2014, when I started my show, I thought I was too late uh, because I was looking at John Lee Dumas. At, uh, I was in his community, which helped me launch a show. And I thought, God, I wish I had launched my show in 2012 when he started Entrepreneur on Fire. Man, I'm way too late or whatever. And that was 2014. I miss a party. I thought, here we are now, 2020, 2021, and people are saying that with me. Oh my God, Mark, wish I start when you started. And people will be saying that in 2025 as well. So just get started. I could not agree with you more. My next question then, if podcasting worked great back then, and you kind of said like get started now, is that still what you would recommend? If somebody was in the game, let's say they've been in for 60 days, they've got some idea what they're coaching on and they need to start getting clients. What would you lay out for them to do in the next 60 to 90 days to actually start moving? Like get some clients and get some revenue. Well, podcast isn't the magic bullet uh, that some people say, but if you are doing a podcast, I think it's clear to have the business set up in the back end. So it's not enough just to have a podcast. You have to have a clear offer. Who are you serving? Uh, how can you help people take the next step? The podcast is a gateway for them to get to know you, uh, know, like, and trust you, hopefully, but it's not enough on its own. Uh, there has to be something in back of it. Um, I mean, I hate to say this word because it's uh, overused almost, especially in the coaching world, but niching down. <laughs> you know, um, I always say to a coach, uh, what do you do? You know, it's something that I call a barbecue pitch. So if I met you, Steve, uh, you're in Arizona, so you can barbecue all year round. I'm in Canada. We can't barbecue uh, through the winter. But uh, if I was in um, Arizona and, and I bumped into you at a barbecue and, you know, after we get done uh, exchanging pleasantries, I said, so Steve, what do you do? You know, your barbecue pitch is that one single sentence answer. Hey, this is what I do, which gives me an idea, clear idea. It's not um, what most, a lot of online entrepreneurs do is they look like deer caught in headlights or they launch into a big long speech. It's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, 24 hour filibuster or whatever. Uh, mine's very clear. I help coaches get more clients without paid ads. You know, I do, I do the organic thing. It's not Facebook ads or anything else like that. Uh, but that's very important that you can spit that out. And uh, that's how I can tell if a coach has that nailed down. If I say, so what do you do? And they stammer, or they're not sure, or they launch into a big, long thing. They need to do some work on that. That's if I've, I love that so much. I think that right now I see a whole lot of people building these. I help blank to do blank statements, mm -hmm. but they're getting they're people in my opinion yours is plain simple very easy to understand right mm. i've seen some lately that are i help i help ultra driven males between 35 to 60 get mm -hmm. six pack abs and up their testosterone yeah. and i'm like geez i mean that's niching um and i won't say that it's horrible but it's also mm maybe a little bit overbearing and doesn't like flow off your tongue, right? It's not yeah. a backyard barbecue statement. Well, the, the example I give is uh, you could go too far, like you said. So if someone said, well, I help uh, left-handed dentist named Bob from Boise, Idaho, who are recently divorced and planning and selling their business in the next six to 12 months, 
that's probably a little too niche down uh, with it. So, uh, but that I would rather someone niche down than just say um, I help people achieve their dream life um, <laughs> or something like that or um, something that's too just general too broad yeah. uh, with it. And, and the other thing with niching is you're not tied down to your niche. I feel like a lot of online entrepreneurs think that they're choosing a life partner. They stress themselves out. I know a very successful coach podcaster uh, who's gone through four evolutions. He may even be more now because uh, this was a few years ago that he told me this, but he's gone through four iterations of his business and he's changed course slightly. He's evolved, he's changed or whatever, uh, but he hasn't let that hold him back. He's not like, well, I've been promoting myself this way for a few years i can't change he's like no i feel like it's time for change i'll pivot a little bit it's not the end of the world people aren't sitting around their dining room table saying oh i wonder if steve warner's changed his niche today or mark Moody's changed his niche like they have other stuff to worry about yeah i would agree and as long as you're in the same basic realm i mean i've always been around live events one to many sales whether that is webinar doing Facebook lives, whether you're on a stage somewhere, anywhere that you can do that. And there's a lot of things that fall within that, right? Yeah. But that's as long as you're not changing to something that is drastically different, that causes an integrity question. I think you're 100% correct. And I think it's just speaking with your true voice. I know that authenticity, that's a buzzword. And it's kind of like, yeah, you feel like vomiting when you hear authentic nowadays. Um, my style is very much meat and potatoes. I'm not, uh, you know, um, talk about astral planes and uh, vibrations and everything. Or if I started talking to my email list or people like, you know, hey, beautiful, hey, girly, are you ready to manifest your dream life? Everyone would be like, did Mark hit his head, uh, <laughs> right? That's just not the way that I talk. It's more of a masculine energy we're not talking about angels and you know um all that manifestation stuff but if, if you do talk like that i know some people that are very much like that um what i'm all about is just to try to be as much uh, like you are <laughs> without trying to be someone else uh, good examples when tony robbins released his documentary on netflix back in 2016 i am not your guru uh, not sure if you saw it, but every second word in that documentary, Tony was dropping the F-bomb. Uh, he was trying to break a record, Guinness Book of World Records. It, it was a little strange. I like Tony Robbins, but I was like, wow, well, okay. Um, but that's fine. He's Tony Robbins. He can do whatever he wants, right? He's earned that. Uh, but in the weeks after that, I noticed a lot of coaches that I'm connected with on social media and stuff started dropping a lot more F-bombs. And they started being really aggressive. So they'd be posting like, you know, like F you. If you don't go for your F and dreams, go F yourself you piece of f and you know like just and yeah. they never talk like that before because they saw oh, well it's working for tony robbins so i'll be edgy i'll be you know really badass and and drop the f-bomb a lot the flip side of it is somebody uh, swears a lot and normally and stuff but then they try to talk like pink unicorns and rainbows and you know really fluffy type that's not them either so just be yourself don't try to put on a mask and be someone else i think that is I think that is the best advice because that's what people want. They want to know, like, and trust you. That's who they do business with. If if you show up eventually, if you're writing emails, if they opt in for your whatever and you're writing emails to them and you come across one way and then you get on a Zoom call with them and you're a different way, they're not going to buy from you. No. Um, like one thing I do on social media, usually once a day I'll post, I'm into puns and, and silly like dad, stupid dad jokes and lame <laughs> jokes or whatever. Uh, so my dry, it's a very dry sense of humor. Uh, so I was with my son at a local Michael's craft store a few weeks ago. He bought a wooden hand 
uh, that to help draw hands because he's getting into sketching and stuff. You could pose the fingers yeah. and everything. The woman rung it in and then she put it in the bag. And I said to her, I said, thanks for giving us a hand. And he kind of rolled his eyes, you know, or whatever. Uh, that's my sense of humor. You know, I'll, I'll make uh, stupid jokes and stuff like that. Very dry sense of humor. Um, I'll talk about, I'm a closet nerd. So you won't find me at uh, superhero comic conventions dressed as like Darth Vader or whatever. But I like, you know, superhero movies. I'm into all those. I like Star Wars. I uh, like a lot of things with pop culture. And I'll work that into my content uh, with it. I'm not into... Um, other things like you know i'm trying to think what some people are uh, well you would think i'd be into it uh, but i i hate lord of the rings type fantasy type stuff i'm not going to start talking about that a lot because it's just not my thing or harry potter you know stuff like that's not me but just work in your interests your hobbies your likes and and it'll be a lot easier to create content that way nice i would agree I agree. And people will respect you for it. And you'll attract people that you actually like working with because they have the same interests you do. Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the flat flat fee JV. So if you don't know what a JV offer is yet, it's probably one of the fastest ways that you can grow your business effectively is to find one or two really good JV partners. But talk to me about the flat fee and how it works and why you switch to that. Cause this is really interesting to me. I know a lot of people that I think would be kind of scared of it, but I want to yeah. hear your take. Uh, so, I mean, the usual joint venture in the online space is I approach you, Steve, and I say, Hey, I have uh, something I think would benefit your community. I'm selling it for $2,000, for example. Um, how about you promote to your community and I'll pay you 25% or 50% of every sale you know, that comes from it. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that this can't work for some people. Some people do very well with it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people online who are burnout, frustrated. They're just not getting... Um, it's bad for both people, both you promoting the offer and me as well. <laughs> And uh, back in 2018, I got sick and tired of doing it that way. I call them lukewarm joint ventures. I'd have someone say, hey, Mark, how about you send an email or two emails or do like a post or two? I'll pay you 50% of that. and I'll do the same for you or whatever. And uh, in 2018, I said, I'm going to do it different. I said, I'm not doing any more of these loosey-goosey, lukewarm joint venture percentage type things. Uh, when I do a joint venture, I said, I'm going to... Uh, book off my promotional calendar for that time. Usually it's a week. I'm going to promote the living heck out of it. People will be sick of hearing about my partner by the time I'm done, but I'm going to give them hundred percent sales, but they're going to pay me a flat fee uh, with it. So instead of uh, 50% or whatever, they pay X dollars and then go from there. Now at the moment for a seven day JV, I just sold a spot today. Someone booked in for next month, uh, charging 4,000 us partner keeps 100% of sales. I also do a three-day mini, I say mini JV that includes the same promotion just in three days instead of seven. And that's for half of the what I charge for a seven days, $2,000 right now. Uh, what I do in that time is I do daily emails every single day that we're doing the promotion. I do social media posts all over social media in the Facebook group, different parts of Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and so on. I do a bunch of Facebook lives with my partner. Uh, every Everything that we're doing is usually directing people to a live webinar with the partner that I'm there and I'm introducing them. I'm endorsing them. I'm there to help them with the Q&A. It's a team effort. So I'm not saying, hey, Steve, um, good luck in our webinar next week. Let me know how you make out. You know, I'm actually there. And it's worked out really well. You know, so the, the here's the other advantage for doing a flat fee is you can set up a page 
laying out exactly what I just mentioned, your criteria and what you provide with it that you send all people to before they book a call with you to talk about it. So I'm sure you run into this all the time, Steve. People reach out to you and they're very slick and sly. Like, hey, Steve, I came across your profile. I'd love to connect for a virtual coffee or right. hear what you're up to or see if there's ways that we can help each other. But really, it's a disguised pitch to get you on board as an affiliate or a joint venture partner. This way, you can say, hey, that's great. I'd love to hear more. But FYI, I do my partnerships differently than most. Go to this link and you can check it out. Um, so any of your people, if they want to see how I chase away, the, those aren't the right fit. It's jvwithmark.com. And that's Mark with a C. So jvwithmark.com. I save myself literally hundreds of hours a year by sending people to that page first, because I'll get them to come back and they'll say, well, Mark, you charge, I was just looking to do a percentage or I don't have the money right now to pay that. I'm like, Hey, that's fine. But this is, this is how I do it. I've just saved uh, both of us 30 minutes or 60 minutes that we would have been on a call. By the time people come on a call with me, they're usually pre-sold. They're ready to do the JV because they've already gone to that page. So it saves me hundreds of hours, which makes me more money. But then also I get a guaranteed um, payment for the amount of work because I put in a ton of work and effort. I write all the promo content. I don't do swipe copy or copy and paste. I'm creating all that stuff. I want to be compensated properly for it. That's, I mean, I absolutely love that. I think that that is really powerful. I'm very careful. I will, I will promote one or two people here and there, but it has to be somebody usually yeah. that I have worked with directly. Either I've bought and consumed their product or I've worked with them and I know them. Somebody that just reaches out to me, it's very rare that I'm going to do anything. Um, and as far as upstream people that are going to send to me, I'm fine paying a flat fee because I charge what I charge. I mean, your fee is... The last JV that I worked with, I ended up cutting them a check for quite a bit more than that. Yep. But it's it, it works out all the way around because nobody wants to work for free. Nobody wants to waste their time or put something together. I did that in the beginning. I remember I built... It was uh, it was friends of mine. We built I built an entire funnel for them that took I had like forty five hours in building multiple oh, wow. funnels, a webinar, ads, like the whole thing. And the day before we were supposed to launch, they decided we don't want to do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was I was heartbroken, but I I said I was like I'm not not messing with that. And you don't even have to start at the numbers that I gave. Um, I have new cl uh, clients who are newer coaches who um, I always recommend seven day JV should be charging a minimum a thousand bucks. I mean, for the amount of work you're putting in, uh, but I had one coach who just wasn't comfortable with that as a minimum. And she's like, Mark, I'm just not feeling it. And you know, if someone's not feeling it, they don't believe in it. They're not going to sell it very well. I said, okay, what number are you thinking? What do you feel good about? And she said, $500 sounds right. So great, you know what, go for 500. Now I hope that you look to bump that up with future ones. But if that's what you feel like, that's better to go with 500. At least you get paid instead of getting a goose egg. Or the reason that I changed my JVs back in 2018, I worked with a partner that I drove a ton of traffic to. Um, she got hundreds of eyeballs on her stuff. Uh, when it was all done a few days later, she said, Mark, uh, check your PayPal. There's a gift for you there, winky face, you know? So I'm like, oh, okay. So what am I going to be able to uh, 
I buy with my uh, commissions from this? You know, can I buy a sports car, maybe a, a vacation property, a trip somewhere nice? No word of a lie. It was under 50 bucks. It was like $49 and change. And um, I reached out to her. I'm like, I think you made a mistake. There's a decimal point that's over. It should be over a few there, whatever. She goes, no, no, I confirmed it. But man, I just spent a week promoting the heck out of this person and not not saying she's a bad person but obviously there's something broken in her whole process with it i don't want to be doing uh that many hours of work a week to be paid 50 bucks you know and that's why i said i'm going to change it um i remember the first call that i did with someone when i switched to the flat fee she didn't have a chance to go to the page like i do now i send everyone to because she was a referral from a mutual friend who i trust i like him and so we hopped on the call and um during the call she said basically she had a five thousand dollar program she said i guarantee we're going to sell at least 20 of these you know or whatever so she's saying we're gonna make a hundred thousand dollars revenue and she's like yeah and i'm paying 50 percent, and you know you're gonna make fifty thousand dollars so i said well i have really good news for you i said uh, you're not gonna have to pay me fifty thousand i said really you're just it's a couple thousand i do my jvs differently than others i said it's a few thousand go take a look and i gave her the link uh, she went over during our call and the temperature on the call dropped to sub-zero like the cold front coming from her i could feel it and she said oh you charge for them I don't do that. Now, at this point, I was humoring her and I said, Well, I said, you guaranteed 100,000 in gross revenue. Why would you not want to pay a couple thousand instead of $50,000? Now, you know what was happening there. She was full of it and she wasn't going to sell $100,000. She was just used to spewing that BS to everyone to try it because she has nothing to lose getting a right. bunch of affiliates, JV partners. And she has nothing to lose with it. This way, they have to put skin in the game. But uh, the call ended right away. I saved myself a bunch more time on that call. That's fine. If she's not cool with it, no no lost sleep there. But I've saved myself so many hours in the last few years by directing them to that page first. That's I, I like it. I think it saves everybody time, energy, money, and it gets you people who are serious about working with you that actually have a converting offer. That's the other thing. If you, if you have a converting offer, it's a no brainer to pay up front because you know what you're going to make. I mean, I'm, if I ask you, what's the average number of people that you would drive to a webinar, if they did a three day and a seven day, I bet you have a ballpark figure. You yeah. know what and you're doing. You can work backwards and say, okay, does it work? Um, what I think I like about it and a lot of people appreciate is it takes the uh, ulterior motives and the disguised pitches and everything out of it because people aren't used to it. There, Some people have said, oh my God, Mark, like they're surprised it's so candid. I'm saying, no. Here's how I do it. <laughs> Very much. If you're into it, let me know. If not, that's cool. People play so many games in the online space where they're trying to trick people onto calls with these virtual coffees and everything. And they waste so much time for everyone, by the way. <laughs> I hate it. So um, I'm just all about, hey, put it out there. Uh, show what you have before you do the call. Decide if you want to explore further by booking a call. If not, don't waste time. Yeah, it's super, super easy. The um, One of the things that I've done going back to your earlier thing about pick your brain. Mm. I set aside one two hour block per week. And I have if in its four 30 minute sessions, if those sessions are open, they can book it. If not tough, like that way I have I'm because sometimes you're right, most people want that to turn into a sale. And I'm very forward about it. I'm happy you can ask me a question or two. But at the end of the day, it says it right in the booking. I'm here to sell you something because 
you will get the most out of it if you pay me. Yeah. It's setting that precedent up front. And I feel like to what you just said about veiled offers, mm -hmm. people appreciate a straightforward offer. They know, hey, you know what? I'm happy to chat with you. If something comes out of it, great. If not, that's fine too, but I am here to sell you something because at the end of the day, that's how I get you results. I'm not going to work with you for free for six months. There's no way. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. Like, I'm not going to give you a course for free because you beg me. Um, yeah. When I was holding live events, I used to always, every time I would have somebody, well, can I come for free? I charged between two and five grand, depending on what I was doing at the event. Mm. I had some that, I guess I had some that were 500, but the, the expensive ones, people would always say, can I come for free? I gave one scholarship per event and I had a form that they had to fill out. Mm. And I would send people to the form. 10 people would go to the form, one sometimes two would fill it out, take the time. Like you really wanted to come for free, right? You couldn't take 15 minutes to fill out a form. Yep. Well, I'll share a little tip to help with brain pickers. Uh, when they approach you and they, they want to pick your brain, uh, ask them to go buy and read a book that you think that they should read. So it could be Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Uh, one of my favorite books, which I've constantly recommended to clients and on podcasts and stuff is Thick Face, Black Heart by Chin Ning Chu. Not a lot of people have heard of that book. So I'll say, um, if I didn't know you and you were, you know, some Tom, Dick or Harry, Steve, <clears throat> you'd approach me and say, hey, Steve, look, um, before we hop on a call, I want you to, to read a book. I think it's really going to help you with what you just asked. And it's called Thick Face, Black Heart, Chin Ning Chu. Uh, buy it off Amazon, give it a read and reach out to me next week. Let me know what you took from that book. I can't recall anyone who's actually got back to me when I say that, which is fine. If they're not willing to, they don't even have to go to the bookstore. They could click a couple buttons on Amazon, gets delivered right to their door. They're just going to have to put the effort in to read it. But most people don't know, well, why would I read a book? I don't want to read a book. I just want to be able to get a free advice and you know benefit yeah. from his expertise, not pay him a penny. So there's a good way to chase away the brain pickers. Now, if someone does get back to you and they say, hey, Mark, I read that book. Here's what I really took from it or whatever. I might say, well, gee, this person's motivated. You know, They bought a book. They read it. I think I want to hop on a call with this person. But it's a hurdle that you're making them jump over first before they get your valuable time. And that goes to a problem that <clears throat> I think all entrepreneurs have one or a lot of them have is they don't value their time. They think, well, you know, I'm not doing anything anyway, or it could turn into business and I got to be nice and help people. So I'll hop on a call or even worse, I'll drive to Starbucks. If it's a local brain picker, spend a couple hours between find parking and do the, all the chat with the coffee, just such a waste of time. I hate to see it. And uh, yeah, so brain picking, I'm not a fan of, and I hope entrepreneurs bat away brain pickers ruthlessly. Amen. Preaching to the choir. I the last thing that I will talk about because you say you a lot of your JV partners drive to webinars. That's what I teach people is how to give an exciting webinar. And a webinar doesn't have to be 90 minutes, 40 minutes. It doesn't have to follow a framework. But I would love to hear because you've probably seen a lot of webinars. You've probably done a lot of them now. What do you think people can do to make them better? Because it, it is the main sales tool at this point, other yeah. than a Zoom call. God, oh, boys. How much time do we have left? <laughs> <laughs> well, get, get away from the... I mean, you you know this, Steve, for where you teach it. Um, there's so many of them that are just with the the 
I say phony or embellished rags to riches story at the beginning. You know, they grew up living in a dumpster, eating rats, drinking sewer water, and now they're making seven figures every month, no problem, and they're going to teach you how to do the same. Uh, that would be one thing. We don't need an hour-long bio with your rags to riches type thing. I know you're establishing credibility. Uh, it's a really annoying when I see people read slot, which I've seen lots of times just reading the slide deck. It's like, yeah, I can read. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm all about the uh, little more informal, like chatting and just not the salesy type fluff and filler. You're never going to be able to give every people everything that people need in a one hour webinar, but at least give them something that if they don't buy at the end, that they at least got something that that they're being compensated for their time. Uh, one of my best webinars I did a while back, I called it um, an anti-webinar. And when I constructed, I did it everything the exact opposite of the way a webinar would normally be. And I got the most positive feedback from that one. So I started right at the beginning, like, hey, guys, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to be selling at the end of this. I'm a proud capitalist. I need to sell to keep the lights on. And uh, you're going to get some good stuff during this, but I will be making a pitch at the end. I want to give you a heads up about it. Most people don't do that, right? They try to trick people in, and then they transition to the pitch. Uh, people appreciate that honesty. So that was my anti-webinar, which I actually had more fun doing that than a canned, you know, typical webinar. That's I love it. I think you are hitting the nail on the head. The biggest thing that I tell people is it's not about your deck. It's about your presentation skills. It's about being able to actively engage with people, know what they're thinking. If you really know your audience, you should be able to sense where they're at, tell them exciting stories, teach them things that get them involved and give them what they want. And there's no problem with making a sale at the end because you they know why they're there. They know that they're going to get pitched. Nobody gets on a webinar anymore. Maybe 2013, mm -hmm. 2014, people didn't know what a webinar was. But now everybody knows they're going to get pitched. So if yeah. you if you want to sell more, be a better presenter. Reading the slides is the worst thing. I tell people if you can't present without the slide deck, then your deck like that your deck should just be 10, 15% added bonus, getting people involved, but you need to come with energy. You need to get people into what you're doing and actually give value. The, the analogy that I always use is think about your favorite high school teacher, right? Just take a moment. Remember that person. They didn't have any more knowledge than any of the other teachers. If anything, the other teachers, you probably walked in their class, sat down, they started lecturing, lecturing, lecturing. Mm -hmm. You've passed, you fell asleep, started passing notes, snuck out the back door. The teacher that you liked the most made class fun. That's all you have to do with the webinar. If you make it yeah. fun, you will sell three times as much. Well, I laugh when I see uh, people who try to pretend that they don't want to make money and uh, that they hate money. And they're usually the greediest, by the way, that's a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh, put your wallets away. You know, I'm, I, I'm all about, you know, increasing consciousness in the world and I could care less about money. So, yeah, right. So I throw people for a loop when I say things like, hey, I'm a proud capitalist and uh, I like money. I love money. Um, there's a saying from Michael Beckwith where he said, if you can't pay your light bill, you can't light up the world. And I always remember that, you know, um, it's not fun coaching or doing business if you're dealing with calls from bill collectors coming in as well. So don't be afraid to charge. Be loud and proud that you're uh, here to make money because you're going to be a better entrepreneur. And you're going to help more people that way. That's a really good quote. I like that. Mark, you have been a phenomenal guest. You've given a wealth of knowledge and you've been super entertaining. I know you dropped 
the JV link, which that will be in the show notes as well. Where else can people go to learn more about you, your podcast, your Facebook group, maybe your email list? Yeah. So uh, naturalborncoaches.com. That's the podcast. We've covered pretty much any topic imaginable for coaches over the years. So naturalborncoaches.com. You can jump on my list that way. Uh, spoiler alert, I do daily emails, as you know. <laughs> uh, the Facebook group is at thecoachingjungle.com, thecoachingjungle.com. I'm in there every day. There's lots of great people. It's not just the Mark show. There's lots of people who are uh, sharing good stuff and answering questions and everything too. So that's the coaching jungle.com. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much. To everybody who is listening, make sure you implement some of these. If nothing else, start emailing your list. It costs nothing and it will get you results. All right, guys, until next time, take action, change lives and make money. We'll see you soon. Nothing has the ability to grow your business more than a powerful one-to-many sales presentation. If you're looking to scale your business, get your message out to more people and close more sales in an easy and straightforward manner, head over to deathtobadwebinars.com and grab your free course today. Thanks for tuning into the show and we'll see you next time.